This is the Kaniac Report. I am Sam Wallace, and we're going to be talking some stats. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. We've hoped to have had a couple of good days. And this is just me, Sam Wallace. In this episode, we are going to be talking about hockey analytics, more specifically advanced hockey analytics. And I know not every Canes fans are into numbers. Uh, well, good. And I just want to say good news for you guys because – I'm not a huge numbers fan myself. Now, if you're a Canes fan or even if you're a hockey fan just listening to this and you like numbers, this episode might be for you. But even then, this episode is mainly just to help dive into an overview of advanced hockey analytics. And again, it's just an overview. It's not in-depth. Because if it's in depth, it's going to be me talking a lot of numbers. And I realize numbers isn't everybody's game. Uh, people can struggle with numbers. I know I can. If someone throws me a spreadsheet of numbers, um, I'm going to be like, oh, what is this? I don't really speak this language. <laughs> so I understand numbers can be overwhelming for some of you. So I am going to be talking about some stats, but... Not a lot, because I do want this to be entertaining from people of both scales. Uh, Canes fans that love numbers, I hope you can enjoy this as I'll be talking about numbers. But also want to be entertaining for those who don't like numbers, because I know what it's like uh, being in the math class or just listening to numbers and get bored. Now, before we talk about analytics, there are a couple of Hurricanes news that has happened uh, the, in the past few days. First, obviously, was the uh, trade that Carolina had with Philadelphia. Carolina traded Massimo Rizzo and a 2025 fifth-round pick and got David Kasha out of that. I think of this trade as a trade that Philadelphia really wanted um, more than Carolina did. And it was reported actually, that Philadelphia had high hopes on Massimo Rizzo. So Philadelphia was able to get the player they wanted. Uh, the only thing I probably don't like about this trade is that Carolina had to trade a fifth-round pick. But yet again, it is just a fifth-round pick. Uh, odds of that fifth-round pick be, being a uh, all-star type of player is very, very little chance of it being that all-star player so that trade I, I mean it's a minor lead type of trade it's not gonna rock the Hurricanes roster or anything but the next transaction does and that transaction is Carolina Hurricanes signing Caleb Jones to a one-year $800,000 contract and, I mean, I think this is a decent deal. Here's the thing, though. You have nine NHL defensemen. Something has to give. Something. 
And I think we all know that Brett Pesci is probably the obvious one. What, but also at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if we traded Brett Pesci. So sorry, not Brett Pesci, but Brady Shea, because it, it's becoming obvious now. The the more that we add to our defense, the more we know that one of our defensemen is going to get traded. And again, it's not like I'm opposed to the signing. I'm not opposed to it because it's looking more and more likely that either Pesci or Shea, you never know, are going to get traded. And by signing Caleb Jones, what is going to happen is that they're trying to mitigate the loss of one of those two players because no other defenseman is going to get traded. You just signed Tony D'Angelo. Slavin isn't going anywhere. Burns isn't going anywhere. And you just signed Orloff as well. I mean, maybe you could trade Dylan Coughlin, but you're not going to get anything back that's of value to the Hurricanes right now. So I kind of think of that signing as just another... Uh, addition to the blue line that's going to help mitigate the loss of one of either Brady Shea or Tony D'Angelo. So that's Hurricane News. And now what we're going to be doing is we're going to be covering what is hockey analytics. And I'll be talking about terms and all that type of stuff with Corsi Fenwick. And then we're going to go into an ad break. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the history of hockey analytics in the NHL, and then I'm talking about pros and cons as the last part of this episode. So, what is hockey analytics? Well, a lot of this information that I'm telling you, um, especially the definition, is from the hockey writers. As I have done research on this, and I thought they had a great article of what is hockey analytics. And they define hockey analytics at as it refers to a number of metrics that go beyond traditional box score statistics, such as goals, assists, shots, hits, penalty minutes, and plus-minus differential. So that's basically the definition from the hockey writers of what advanced hockey analytics is. Now, there are kind of foundational key metrics when it comes to this type of stuff. So it's going to be a lot thrown at you, but I am trying to make this entertaining in the same way. So uh, one of the uh, key metrics is Corsi. Corsi is the sum of all shots attempts, including missed shots and blocked shots. So it's calculating everything. So if you have a high goals, or sorry, a high Corsi four for a team, then you're most likely are going to get goals. Again, you're going to find a lot with these statistics as probabilities. It doesn't mean that you're going to score. It just means the probability of you scoring is going to be a lot higher when you have a high Corsi 4. And yes, a lot of these statistics are going to have a Corsi 4 and a Corsi against. Same, same with the Fenwick, same with expected goals. It's always going to be for and against because it's analyzing both your offense and your defense. That's why it says goals for, goals against. That makes sense. So Fenwick. 
Fenwick is the sum of all shots attempts, including missed shots. But this is the difference between Fenwick and Corsi. Fenwick does not include blocked shots. And when I saw that, I think Fenwick, to me, that stat right there, that metric, I think is a lot more reliable than Corsi is. Because there's not that much ambiguity in the Fenwick stacks than there is with Corsi. Because with Corsi, if you have a Corsi 4, that's great. But it's also accounting shots blocked as well. So I think Fenwick is much more clearer stat than Corsi is. Just from looking at that those definitions. And then you have expected goals. This is how likely a given shot will be a goal. And apparently the value from what I've heard is between 0 to 1. Now, here's the thing with expected goals. Uh, there's a lot of factors that factor into this. And it makes sense, too. I mean, it has to be judged on the historical success. So looking back on where a player might shoot on the ice in the offensive zone, um, if there it have been chances to where other players in the past have scored in that area, uh, that is a good indicator, or I would say that is a good indicator of a player scoring in that position in the present tense. So so when it comes to the other factors, uh, that includes the shot angle. I mean, that that's important as well. Some players could be shooting. I would say a lot of players shoot at angles if we see the game obviously, but there are some players that uh, shoot it straight into the goalie or into the goal if they do make the goal, of course, and they shoot it, uh, it sometimes by leaning more toward the boards. It all depends on the player, and there's all, obviously there is the shot location. Uh, there is an interesting stat I'm going to get to later when it comes to hockey analytics that I think is really interesting. And then there's also the distance from the net, which that's, I, I think, another huge variable, and I think that makes a lot of sense too. If you're shooting a lot closer to the net, I would think you have a better chance of getting a goal than you would be uh, next to the blue line uh, but that settles right next to the offensive zone and the neutral zone. So it's there's a lot of variables here, but it, it, it can be not just on a team, but on individual players too. And that's usually how it is in the business of hockey analytics. Uh, yes, you need that information from a team perspective, but from individual players, that's good too, especially if you're trying to go up against your opponents. You kind of want to know what advantage your team might have by using analytics like this, and I think it's really important. And that's kind of my thing here with when it comes to hockey analytics, basically. I think this stuff is incredible and useful information. Really, I really do. But I do think there are also cons, which I will get to later in the episode. But most of it, I do think, is inherently good, and you need to have it. Interestingly enough, I mean, if you look at the NHL compared to other major leagues, like the NBA, like the MLB, they're actually falling behind in 
the analytics department. Uh, hockey apparently historically has been a league that's kind of been a little bit resistant to change. So I think there are teams that need need to have analytics, and I think there needs to be a fine line, obviously, I think, when it comes to analytics. And I've said this before in previous episodes. There needs to be a fine line between analytics and the eye test because not everything that you see on the ice will translate to play, to the player. And I will get more in-depth with that later on in this episode. So those are the key metrics when it comes to hockey analytics. Now, there are obviously tons of other metrics. I am not going to list all those out. There is tons and tons of information on this. But I am going to list a few out here. Uh, there is shots assists and high danger passes. So shot assists is kind of in the name a little bit. And it's basically judging a player's playmaking abilities. It's a pass that's kind of credited to a player that scores the goal. And the more, the higher the number, the more of that showing that the player has a good playmaking ability. Same thing with the high danger passes metric too. I think that even shows more of a player's playmaking abilities than the shots assist are because these high danger passes are a lot harder to make because in these high danger areas, as all fans would know, these high danger areas are clogged with the defenseman that you're going up against. And I'm not, sorry, I'm not just saying defenseman, but uh, the players on the opposing team, all of them are defending. Those high danger areas are going to be the areas where the defending team is going to be in the most. So if I were to rely on one metric than the other, I would rely more on the high danger passes than the shots assist. Because shots assist, I, I do think sometimes um, can be high danger passes. Possibly. I think there could be an argument for that. But high danger passes, I mean, if you can get a pass off there, that I think to me shows more of a player's potential in playmaking than shots assist. But again, I could to totally be wrong about this. I am no analytics ex expert. Uh, so uh, there are other metrics too in scoring chances and high danger chances. Now, I know us Canes fans uh, would see the high danger chances and be like, that's the Hurricanes right there. And to be honest, I mean, this since this is a Canes-centered podcast, I do want to delve into the Canes a little bit with this and the fact that the Hurricanes are an analytics darling in the NHL. They are up probably in the top five in every metric. And I know they definitely are in the high danger chances. And us as fans, we know that. We've seen this team have so many great chances, but they can't score. And to me, that's an another eye test a little bit thing too, because, I mean, high danger chances, if that's up, then the probability of you scoring is pretty high. But as we know... 
with the Hurricanes team is that they can lack a finisher. And that's why I've always been promoting, and Sam Driscoll too, we've both been saying that this team needs a finisher. Regardless of that stat, how high it is, it does not guarantee that our team is great at offense. I think we were like 15th in goals for this past season. So I think that's interesting. Uh, but also what's interesting too, because I, there, I know there is another stat on here um, that relates to, to the Hurricanes and that I think it's, I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's in finishing chances, they're one of the lowest. And to be honest, if they can raise that up to being in the middle of the pack, I think this team will explode offensively. And us Canes fans, I think, would know that if you look at this team on paper, there is incredible potential. It's just sometimes it takes a while, and sometimes it never gets realized. That's how it is. And it makes sense because if you look at the forward core, a lot of young players. So that's kind of what uh, hockey analytics is. And also one more thing, actually, the thing that I was interested in, obviously with the high danger chances, is that how these guys in the an these analytic departments go with when it comes to high danger chances. Apparently, if you are like in the high danger zone, like around the goal, near the crease, uh, you get three points by shooting the puck in that area. And then if you shoot, if you're a player and shoot from like the face-off area, that's a little bit farther out to get like two points. And then you get one point when you shoot from way out, like near the blue line. So I found that interesting. But again, I think it makes sense because it shows that the more points you have, uh, the better chances that you get. So I found that interesting, and I thought that was, to me, the coolest metric and how they explained it. So, yes. Yeah. So next we're going to go on to the history of hockey analytics. And to me, this is probably my favorite part because I like history. I really enjoy learning about history. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get to our sponsor. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpmai.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 8887897777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. 
Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10-plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Hey, Canes fans, even if you're not going on vacation, summer is all about the vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to Zach Brown Band on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Since I can have an old soul for music, I have a playlist I listen to that ranges from John Denver to Chicago. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including 8 hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable in-ear fit. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com THPN. That's buyraycon.com THPN to save 15% off on Raycons. Buyraycon.com THPN. Okay, so hockey analytics. Where did this all start? Well... This started I be- back in the 1950s a little bit with the Montreal Canadiens. But to me, the person that really brought analytics um, into the NHL was Roger Nielsen and Ron Smith from the Vancouver Canucks. In fact, Roger Nielsen was had a nickname a bit called Captain Video because he loved looking at videos of teams that of his team and I think of teams he played against as well that he Roger was really innovative in trying to bring new analytics to the NHL now I think some of those have been outdated especially if you look at uh, the time period of the early 2010s but Roger Nielsen, he has kind of been the pioneer a little bit and has been called the father of hockey analytics in the NHL. So I found that very interesting. And I did say before that the NHL does trail other major leagues on its usage of analytics. Now, if, if we talk about currently the NHL and its usage of analytics – it's become a lot more accepting now because there have been a lot more um, positions amongst all the NHL teams when it comes to analytics. Um, I remember reading an article on The Athletic of just how many positions have opened up in the analytics departments of all of these teams, and it has really increased uh, from a few years ago. So it has been more accepting, but I do think it is still behind when you're comparing it to the other major leagues. 
Now, I think this is very interesting, especially to us Canes fans in the fact that when it came to like early 2010, a new wave of analytics began to come up from public hockey bloggers that were actually eventually hired by professional teams. And, you know, one of those people or bloggers, I would say, was Eric Tolsky. Um, I know there was a story about Eric Tolsky that I, I thought was really interesting, but he was amongst those people. And we all know Eric Tolsky is kind of the head of hockey analytics. And apparently, I think from what I've heard from Elliot Friedman, is that he's probably going to be a new and upcoming general manager because of how smart he is. And he very well could be. Um, I could honestly, I mean, I know Sam Driscoll doesn't like the idea, obviously, but I, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to have Eric Tolsky be the general manager because, and, and, and here's the thing, this is not Eric Tolsky's team. This is not Don Waddell's team. This is Tom Dundon's team. And we all know, us Canes fans, Tom Dundon is a very hands-on owner. And I remember his interview, I believe, with uh, Joe Ovius and Joe Giglio that he was talking like a math teacher. He was talking about probabilities and everything. I'm like, I could definitely see Eratulski becoming the future GM here in Carolina. Because Don Waddell, he's not going to be it forever. Um but Eratolsky, he—I mean, he—he's a young guy too, so I could definitely see him becoming the uh, future GM here for the Hurricanes. I know Sam Driscoll would not like that at all, obviously. But I mean, he Sam Driscoll, as we know, has his opinions. So I found that interesting, and that's kind of the history of hockey analytics as it is now. And uh, I just want to get to some pros and cons here. When it comes to hockey analytics, again, I am not going to say hockey analytics should not be used. I think it should be, but I think it needs to be put in its proper place. And I'm going to talk about some pros here when it comes to advanced hockey analytics. I think it can show how skillful your players are. I think it can help you better understand your opponents And I think it can help you make more calculated predictions of the game. That's why there's so many talks of the probabilities of this, because if you look at all of these metrics, it's not going to guarantee you everything. It's telling you probabilities. What most likely will happen if you have a high for or a low against in all of these metrics. Now, here's the thing with hockey analytics that I think has its drawbacks. I think it doesn't tell you everything about the game. It just doesn't. But again, it gives you more knowledge of the game. And what's funny is that a lot of opponents of the usage of analytics in the NHL usually say that hockey is a very fast-paced sport. You can't just sum it up in numbers. And honestly, I think there is some truth to that. I do, but I don't think that's entirely true because... I think if you say that's true, then you're not. I think that's being used as probably an excuse of not trying to involve the game. Because I think hockey is a fascinating sport. I, I think hockey, to me, 
is the best sport, and this is my opinion. If you don't think that, that's completely fine. But to me, hockey is my favorite sport to watch. And it is a fast-paced sport, but you can't, I mean, using that phrase of you can't just sum it up in numbers, I think is a little bit redundant to say because uh, analytics, I think, needs to have its place in the NHL. I really do, but it doesn't tell you everything about the game. And I, again, I do think there is some truth in that statement, but I don't think that is entirely true. And again, a lot of these are probabilities. It doesn't mean it will happen. So, I mean, we can be tied up in hockey analytics and I'm sure there are probably hockey analytical purists where if they see a stat that's high, they assume everything's going to happen because of that stat. Um, I personally disagree in the hockey analytical purist people. I think that's an, ex- an extreme that I think people should not go to, but that's their opinion. And they are entitled to their opinion. But I think that's an extreme that I think goes too far because I'm sure when everybody watches hockey, there is also... A lot of luck. Now, I know hockey analytics, if they, or I would say hockey analytical people, if they're listening to this right now, they'll be like, well, there's the PDO stats. Well, again, PDO stat is a probability. It doesn't assume anything. And I don't, and I think you should treat every stat as a probability. It doesn't assume that you're going to get a lot of goals or you're going to defend very well. So that's how I think of it. And another thing, too, is that it doesn't tell you anything about the hockey player's personality. Because I know us Canes fans have seen certain players where there is huge potential. And they have a humongous skill. But they don't have the work ethic. And to me, there are players like that. I think the most notable player is Alexander Salmon. He was the probably the most skillful player on the team, but he just didn't care of playing with the Hurricanes. And there are people that have tremendous work ethic, but that doesn't mean that they like it. I mean, this not only goes down to just hockey, it's just any workplace environment. There are people that will provide work ethic because that's part of who they are. But that doesn't mean they love what they do. They just work hard. And I think that's an admirable trait, but there's also a downside, too, at the same time. So that's the biggest thing, I think, that's a drawback to hockey analytics. They don't really look at the work ethic. They don't look at the personality. Uh, They don't look at the character they don't look at the belief and obviously i think belief is probably a byproduct of character anyways but it doesn't calculate any of a player's personality and i think that's where the eye test comes in and to me i think that's when any person that's analyzing hockey or maybe even any sport but I know with hockey I think if you really want to be a good analyst you have to put both 
the, the stats of what you see on paper, the analytics, and the eye test together. Because there are things that you see on the eyes that don't translate to what's on paper. But yet, you can't disregard what's on paper because that's what's in the game. It helps you expand your knowledge of what's going on. And I think if you put those two things together, I think you get a good picture of what being an analyst is. I always have said this before, the eye test and the uh, analytics, I think if you put those two things together, I think you get a good picture of what the game of hockey is. I'm not going to say that's what it is for baseball because I don't watch baseball. I don't watch a lot of basketball. I do watch some football, but I think that's what it is for hockey. And hockey, I think that is a fun sport. It's fast-paced. I do think there is some luck, but I also think you need to work for your luck, too, at the same time. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode of Hockey Analytics. And, yeah, what is it? That's in the title, Hockey Analytics. What is it? Because there are quite a few fans of not just the Canes, but NHL in general, that don't really know a lot about analytics. And I think this is a good brief overview over it. I did not want to do in depth. I did not. I just want to do a brief overview. And I hope you guys liked it. I hope it got you guys some insights of analytics and just hockey in general. Again, I think hockey, to me, is the best sport in the world. And we will see you guys next time.